Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Ramble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. We have this time that's set aside, and each year at, at this time, according to the church, we have selected this time of year to celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, Jesus. Now, the Christian community differed greatly from the Eastern Church to the Western Church as to what day in which we should choose to celebrate such an occasion as this. Now, as I said in my time of prayer, Easter has nothing to do with the time of which our Lord and Savior hung upon the tree and was resurrected from the grave. It is something that has come into the church. It's something that was brought into the world. In fact, 2,000 years before uh, Jesus walked this earth, there was something called Easter. There was an egg that was involved. There, there bless God, there was a fertilization and a time of celebration of that fertilization. And that's what Easter and that time in which they celebrated was all about. Uh, the god or the goddess Estar, which is Easter, and pronounced just in the same way, was exactly what was taking place, and it all took place out of Babylon. So it isn't something that we uh, should, as Christians, take lightly. In fact, I'm not even too sure, as Christians, that we should even use the word Easter. And could it be because we have got such a problem throughout the world and here in the United States with our young people that are unmarried, that have become pregnant and bear children? Could it have anything to do with the fact that they have come under the curse or under the spell of this time which was set aside by heathenistic nation so that they might celebrate to their goddess and not unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's something to think about within all of that. But we in the church, we decided that we would use the Sunday that follows the full moon after the vernal equinox and to call that time Easter. And so we have done that. Now, actually the Passover which all of this is really about, and I'm going to hopefully be able to teach you that tonight. Passover itself, bless God, had nothing at all to do and is not even celebrated today in accordance to when we do this. The Jewish calendar, as a matter of fact, Passover will take, some, will take place sometime in the latter part of next month, uh, somewhere in the, in, uh, the uh, 20s, uh, 26, 28, uh, 22, I don't remember exactly when, but anyway, it takes place then. But we have chosen to celebrate. It matters not. We celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord Christ Jesus every single day. But the fact of it is that one time a year that it's set aside to do in such great remembrance, it's sort of sad that that remembrance has to be uh, juggled up. Just as Christmas, it seems to be juggled and intermingled with this fellow called Santa Claus. And we intermingle the greatest time that this earth has ever received with, a, with an Easter bunny. <coughs> excuse me, with Easter eggs. Uh, and it's a shame that we in the church have let such things catch up to us in such great matter. Now, to understand the Passover, you're going to have to look back and understand the entire cycle of history. And I want to start back in Genesis, the third chapter, and the 24th verse. With each event that God brought forth, 
he was pressing toward a final fulfillment, not only uh, for, bless God, uh, the generations of this earth, but the earth itself. And we need to understand the cycle in which God did what he did and does what he does. From the beginning of time, God was saying, there's no way to approach me except by coming with a lamb, with coming with a sacrifice. And sacrifice was ordained by God and instituted by him from the beginning. In Genesis 3:21, you'll see this. Uh, even in the beginning, when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, and the Lord God in 21 of that third chapter says, And Adam also to his wife did the Lord make goats of skin, coats of skin, I'm sorry, and clothe them. So it took some type of an animal sacrifice, even from the beginning, to cover up the sin in which was involved within, even then in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, listen to this, Adam and Eve, I'm sorry, had never seen death. They didn't understand what death was. Uh, they, didn't know, they didn't even know what it was like, but still yet, there had to be a covering. There had to be something to give a life to cover the sin. Now, sin has got to be covered uh, to be in the presence of a holy God. It has to be present. It's God's way. In other words, you can't, you can't, that's the reason we keep trying to teach you that you must learn and understand that you must repent daily. Because, you, as Paul said, I sin daily. The things that you and I get into, whether it be physically or it be mentally, or even if it be spiritually that's not of God, needs to be repented for if, in fact, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Now, without repentance, without repentance, we cannot have that cycle renewed and that refurbishing or that reuniting ourselves together with God. And that's exactly what sacrifice was set up to do. Now, in Genesis 22, if you'll turn there with me, a new cycle was beginning when God, uh, when God began to and tested Abraham. There was a new cycle. Now, we saw the cycle that took place when there had to be a covering put on Adam and Eve. And now we find in the 22nd chapter, and we're going to start in the first verse, and it says, and, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thine son, thine own son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place afar off. Now understand what day that was. It was the third day, right? It was the third day in which our Lord was, was risen from the dead after being dead those three days. After three days, okay, fifth verse, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, that I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. Was the cross laid upon Jesus? Did not Jesus carry that cross? Yes, he did was laid upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. 
And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. You notice how he knew that he heard from God each time? He said, Here am I. And even answered his son, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld my, thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorn, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, we see here that Abraham's descendants through Isaac, and it's very important to understand, became a great nation. But the fact is that once again we are seeing a lamb, a ram, being used to sacrifice. It wasn't something of Israel because Israel understood sacrifice. Throughout the generations, Israel has understood sacrifice. And what God again was doing was beginning a plan that would lead to this generation and beyond. And we of this generation desperately need to understand what God was doing, not only in the beginning, but even in now, and these days and this time that we live in today. In the next cycle, his family of God became slaves into Egypt. And we see that as we study the Bible, the Word of God. The Lord spoke to his servant Moses in the land of Egypt and spoke very strongly unto him. Let's turn to Exodus, the 12th chapter. Exodus 12. Now they had become slaves. Now they were in a position, bless God, wondering where God was at. For hundreds of years they were into slavery. Exodus 12, the first verse. <clears throat> And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Now notice it was a lamb. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Now, obviously, this is the Passover. Now, the Passover is simply passing over, just what it means. We know that, the, that Moses had gone before Pharaoh and told Pharaoh that all the firstborn would die. Now, God is about to make provision for all of Israel. And I think a few weeks ago I did a, a piece of a ministry and, and began to, to talk about and, uh, how it was that, bless God, no, I'm sorry, it was in Madagascar I did that, how that God began to send the hail down and it killed everything and everybody that was out in it except in the land of Goshen where God had the, the Israelites go. And not one of them died, not one of their cattle died. So there's a divine protection that comes from God. But in order for that protection to come, and again, this is very important for us to realize that there had to be a sacrifice involved. 
And in this case, and what God is saying here, now unto Moses and to Aaron, there has to be a lamb taken into the house. Now, as we go on in the fifth verse, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep uh, or from the goats. Now, also understand that he gave him the day and the month in which this was to happen. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, notice when that had to be done in the evening. When did Christ die upon the tree? In the evening. It couldn't be done. See, see, everything, and that's the reason why we have to understand in the church today that it is not by coincidence that we gather ourselves together, even at this time, it isn't by coincidence that God is about to pour out without measure the Holy Ghost upon this earth again. This isn't something that's just taking place. This all is evolving around a plan in which God put together, in fact, when He said, let there be light. This plan was implemented into this generation at this time, even though we weren't here at that time. And we are fulfilling and it's important again to understand the word fulfilling. We are merely fulfilling what God has set in order. But there has to be a certain way in which it's performed. You can't, in other words, you can't get to heaven without receiving the Lamb of God. You can't enter into the kingdom without receiving the Lamb. It takes the covering of the Lamb. It takes the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, for the remission of our sins. And it took a lamb, and, and, and God was going through this with Moses and with Aaron. Now listen, it says in the, in, the, in the seventh verse, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Now, the, the, the neat thing is, you've got to realize that they use the blood. They took the blood. They didn't drink the blood. Now, there's, there's cults that drink blood. The, the darkness, satanic uh, worshipers drink blood. You don't find anywhere where we as Christians are commanded or even um, in any way, shape, or form thought to have taken blood and drank it. No, we used it for a covering. Do you understand? We used the blood of the lamb for the covering. And if, in fact, this lamb which was being sacrificed on this 14th day that you had brought into your house, and you took the blood and you put it upon the door post and the lintel, which is the part that goes across the top, then there was going to be something supernatural that was about to happen to you and your family. Because the death angel was, a going to, was about to pass over all of Egypt on that night. And everything that was out from under the blood of the Lamb would perish of the in the firstborn, animal, beast, or human. And God was trying to show them how that they might be saved. Eat it not, eat not of it raw, the ninth verse, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And that's the first time that the word is used. It is the Lord's Passover. 
In other words, it's not my Passover, it's not your Passover, it's the Lord's Passover. It is the time in which He chose to pass over. It is a time in which His protection through what He implemented into the church for a beginning, not the end. And that's the reason today as the Orthodox Jew believes today at Passover that they are still in remembrance of this day, and we are. But it goes deeper than that. See, that, that is where the transitioning of the church is absolutely uh, taken roundabout and within itself is to understand that if, in fact, Christ had not come, if He had not become the perfect Lamb, sent to sacrifice His life for us, and His blood being the covering or for the remission of our sins, then we too would be still sacrificing today, even though they don't sacrifice today in Israel, nor does any Orthodox Jew on the face of this earth. But we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Now, He goes on and says... And I'm going to read the 12th verse now. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood, now there it is, and the blood shall be to you for a token. And that word token in Hebrew means proof. Upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. You know, I used to think there was no need. And some of you in this room have heard me say, I didn't think there's any need to celebrate what we call Easter. I no longer want to call it Easter. I want to call it Passover. But there is a need. Why? Because we're commanded by God. We are to keep that. Why are we to keep that? Well, now, when Moses chose the, out the priesthood that came from his brother Aaron, and this is important to grasp onto and to understand, their main thrust was to be certain that the children of Israel never forgot to remember Passover. Now you study and you'll find out that what I'm telling you is the truth. It was this important. It was this important to God. Why was it important to God that they not forget something that happened all those generations back? You say, well, it was a, it was a great miracle. Absolutely a great miracle. And so was all the rest of the things that took place with the signs and the wonders that brought them out of Egypt. But why did he single this out? Why did he not single out the thing with the frogs or the, the thing with the hail or, or, or the thing with the, the, the water, the Jordan turning into blood? Why was, why was that not singled out? He singled out this thing about the blood and the thing about passing over them as the blood being put on the, uh, from a lamb that was sacrificed being put on the posts and the lintel of their homes. And he said, I want this to be a memorial. He said, I want this to be something that will be absolutely celebrated by feasts in all generations. Not just one generation, not just two generations from now, but God said all generations. And then God began to deal with Moses about Aaron and began to talk about the priesthood. And there are places to bring. Why, why was it? So they wouldn't forget because God had something more in mind than a sacrificial lamb being taken into their home 
each year and the, and the blood being put upon the doorposts and lintels. God was working towards something, and that's something we in the church have never been able to grasp a hold of. We believe that everything that God is doing is final as under the generation in which we live. But it's just a stepping stone under the next generation and the next hour in which God is about to move again upon the face of this earth. Everything that God does, He does it in direct order in which He began from the foundation of the world. And the order in which He does now is very strong to each of us. As I said, why is it that we get wrapped up in, 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 in uh, chickens and, and, and eggs and bunny rabbits and the word Easter? Most Christians can't even tell you why. And most will say, well, we don't do that for any pretty... Why this time of the year? Let's have an Easter egg hunt in, in July. Huh? Why? Because the powers of darkness come to steal, to kill, and destroy. If, in fact, darkness can come and take away that which the meaning of Passover is, which is our God, our Messiah, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, being sacrificed and becoming alive again after three days, why not try to put something on top of all that? There's more Christians today, there's more children today, and God forbid they're in our basement tonight that know more about Easter bunnies and Easter and eggs than they do about the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he said, I'll pass over you. He said, I'll, I'll pass over you. The Lamb kept alive the faith of Israel from generation to generation. All the firstborn beasts were to be sacrificed unto God that were perfect. And that was the law. Let, let, let's look at just a few of these. In Exodus 22, <clears throat> in Exodus 22, 29, it says, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy, thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors, the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt give unto me. Likewise shall I do with thine oxen and with thy sheep, Seven days it will, shall be with, with his dam, and on the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. And in Exodus 13, 11, there's another one here. 13, 11 says, And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee out of the land of the Canaanites, as he swore unto thee and to thy fathers, uh, shall give it thee, and thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh out of the beast which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. Every firstling of the ass shall redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shall thou redeem. So God had, had a way and a presence in which he did it all. And he did this not so he could be different. He did it again for there was a reason and a purpose as to the generation that which was to follow. The Lord gave Moses the law, and we all know about the law. God set forth requirements that must be met before he could show mercy. And this is important that we know. The God, see, God has a way. God wants no man to perish, but to have every man to come to repentance or come into repentance to him. 
The problem with us, we don't understand, again, the system in which God does things. We think that we can sin and live in sin. No, that's not, that's not the idea of it. As I have taught for years, when you sin, you break the flow between you and God. You can pray all day and God's not going to do anything until that gets restored. And the only re- way to restore that union or that communion that you have with Him <coughs> excuse me, is through repentance. Once you repent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have now reconnected, if you will, into the throne room of God. And then you can begin to pray and you begin to petition God through His Son and you can then be redeemed out of your problem. Until then, it's in vain. Sin must be punished either in person or by substitute. And this is the way the law read. In other words, you're either going to have to, you were either going to have to do it in person or there was going to have to be a substitute involved to pay for this, this sin. Lambs, goats, and rams were Israel's substitutes. The law was given to lead us to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God accepts you and I only through the means a sacrificial lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ at the altar. And that's the way we come. But you see, God was preparing all of Israel for this. And people say, well, how did they get so dumb and miss it all? Well, you've got to study the book and find out. It was set by God. People go over trying to get all the Jews saved in Israel. You're wasting your time. You're not going to get them saved. It's not time for them to be saved. The dispensation of grace, the period in which the Gentile has been the church, is coming to an end. The church will revert back to Judaism, and we will turn ourselves unto the Lord thy God through the eyes and the means and the ways of the Jew. And then their eyes will be opened up. Then we will get educated properly, hopefully before then, and begin to move into the things of God and understand from what family we're truly from and of. The prophet Jeremiah, he preached that it, it was a matter of the heart. And if you study Jeremiah, he, he, it, was, it was a big thing about the heart, you know. And he said he meant, it was an outward expression of inner intentions that God is looking at. You get a hold of that? An outward expression of inner intentions that God is interested in. God is listening to our hearts. You know, today, sacrifice isn't the thing. God got tired of sacrifices even in that day. And He said, rend your heart unto Me. Give your heart unto Me. And by rending your heart unto Me, He said, sacrifice that and move into the things that I have for you. Now, the Spirit within which gave it all of its value, which is God and the heart of God in us, looks at the intents or the intentions of the heart. And that's what God is doing. He's searching. He's seeing what your heart is saying. What is your heart really saying tonight about somebody you really don't want to be around? See, God hears that. God is listening to your heart say, your mouth says, oh, God love you, and your heart's going, I brush him with a brick. Does God hear both? Yes, He hears both. The problem is that the one that He hears the blessing with a brick, that's the one He's trying to work on. When our hearts catch up with our mouths in some cases, and opposite in other cases, 
we'll probably do, do much better. Amen? Let's go to Isaiah 1. And this is a, this is a great uh, uh, explanation probably of what I have jumbled around tried to say. Isaiah, the first chapter. In Isaiah 1, 11, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Now, this is what God is saying about these sacrifices. See, they, what did they do? They got religious about sacrifices. See, they went, they, they had gone so long. Ho-hum, we know how to sacrifice. Ho-hum, do a little sacrificing, cover our sin. Woo, let's go out and sin again and have a good time. Now listen to what God is saying, 11th verse, Isaiah 1, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and of fat of the fat, fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to, trend, to tread, tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations." Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my, my soul hateth, and they are trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you, yea. When you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings before you, uh, from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead uh, for the widow. And here is the famous thing. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Promises of God given to us. But what God is saying again, you have become a church of nothing. You've become a church that started out doing the sacrifice to cover the, your sin uh, through bringing of the lamb. Because they no longer had in perspective exactly what God was doing. Because they took for granted that because they had always done this, without their hearts being involved in it now, it was nothing. See, that's the reason I said, you know, you can take communion every time you get together, but if your heart's not in it, the communion means nothing. In fact, it will come an abomination unto God, just as this did. It's the same thing. It works in exactly the same directions. That God is trying again to the church to say to us, you have become a stench unto me. He's saying, come, let us reason here. Come, let us reason. You often hear me say, is there power in the church any longer? When I go overseas, I, I often say to the churches there, I said, where is the power of God's anointing present in your services? Are you seeing the blind, seeing the lame walk, the deaf hear and the dumb speak, the disease being healed, the miracle of deliverance come? <coughs> Excuse me. And if you're not, then something has happened that we've become an abomination unto God. See, the Spirit of God does not just leave by the anointing and go off somewhere because God has got nothing else to do. The power of God's anointing leaves 
our tabernacles, our churches, because we have fallen into religion and the power and the anointing has become in vain. No longer is it apparent. No longer is it there. You know, I can remember stories that my grandmother used to talk about what's now the United Methodist Church and how the power of God used to work in it. And you could, if, you, if you were to tell Methodists, and they, they're watching some of them, no doubt, the television tonight, but if you was to hear that, my Methodist brothers and sisters, you'd say, oh, no. They, and they even spoke in other tongues, I was told. They saw miracles in their altars. And most of the Methodists today would say, no, 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 that couldn't happen. That, that, that's, that, no, no, that's not what... You know why? Because our religion has come to be a vain thing in the eyes of God. A stench in His nostrils. Where His presence is no longer required by the church any longer. Because we go through a mechanicalism of religion. These people that sang up here tonight weren't going through a mechanical thing of religion. That was the anointing of God that was flowing through them. Something must have pleased God for them to be able to open their mouths up and sing this away. See, when God is pleased, God manifests Himself into the situations in which pleases Him. Long since, as God said, come, let us reason, church. Generations ago in America, God tried to say, church, let's sit down and talk this thing over. You become religious. I'm tired of all your, your vain religion. I'm tired of all the, all the things that you're going through. I'm tired of these, these, these mockeries that you make of me. The statues, the things that you do. And what did we do? We just went on, didn't we? Well, Israel just went on too, but it was to their own hurt. And that's what often happens. Little by little, the prophets begin to understand that one day God was going to send a lamb in place of all the lambs. The prophets begin to say, see it. They begin to talk about it. In Isaiah 53 <clears throat> is our prime example of this. Isaiah began to understand with great depth. Listen as I read, the, in the, starting with the first verse, chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the, of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. He's talking about the Lord. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hide as it were our faces from him. He was despised and he was esteemed, but we esteem him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Like we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth 
He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him in grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall be righteous servant justly many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I, I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto, unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made the trans, uh, intercession for the, for the transgressors. And that's our Lord. The prophet Isaiah stood and prophesied that. You know, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that I think that Isaiah understood all that, because I don't think he did. But I'm going to tell you one thing. God did. See, with timing with God is everything. This couldn't be, have been done through another generation because it wasn't time. See, that's the reason, that's the reason that, that, that for, for years <clears throat> I have tried in vain, for the most part, to get the church to open up their eyes and understand something. That when God began to do what God did in our modern-day Gentile church, the New Testament church, it was also a beginning to further ourselves coming closer to Him into the kingdom being here on this earth. It was never something set saying that this is where we are going to end at whether it be the Catholic, the Methodist, the Baptist, the Lutheran, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, whoever. It was a beginning or a step to make another step. And what we did was we drove the tent stakes so deep <clears throat> that we decided and we, we, we built such beautiful tabernacles. And some of us put so much of our own money into those beautiful tabernacles that when God began to want to usher us forward or to bring us into transition forward, we begin to bow our necks and say no. And we begin to miss God. And this is what God is saying. He's now bringing it out of the mouth of His prophet because God does nothing except first He reveal it through His prophets. Isaiah began to talk. You think the people listened? Sure they listened. Everything was now ready for God to speak through a new cycle because He had prophesied out of the belly, out of the mouth, out of the spirit, out of the mind of His prophet. A little baby lamb was being born in a stable in a place called Bethlehem in a manger. A place, bless God, that was, uh, that was, that was not uh, at all adequate for the birth of a child. There was animals all around feeding right there in the manger where he was at. And yet it was appropriate 
Because why? What did it take before? A lamb. A lamb. The prophets knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It wasn't a secret. But all of a sudden they seemed to be, have forgotten everything that had been prophesied of the Messiah that was to come. And by the way, he didn't come exactly like they wanted him to come. There was other lambs there. But the Lamb of God gave his first cry. Then angels spoke to men, didn't they? Big time stuff. We're entering into a great age. Do you realize that the Bible talks about in the last days that we'll have signs from heaven? You realize that? Look what happened just here this last week. We had an eclipse of the moon last Sunday night. Almost a total eclipse if you stayed up and watched it. We had this comet that passed by. You could see it. And it's not a spaceship, by the way. <laughs> and you can see Mars, brilliant red, as you look at it. Are these signs in heaven? Yes, they're signs in heaven. We're coming to the end of another cycle. This cycle that was coming to us now, look at Matthew one twenty one. Matthew one twenty one. There's much more to be studied in this. You want to go back, take the notes, and dig further into this. <clears throat> Matthew one twenty one. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. This is what the angels were saying. Israel knew that the Messiah, like I said, was going to come from, from Bethlehem. They also knew that he was to be revealed, now listen to this, <clears throat> that he was to be re revealed from the Mingo Eder, which is called the Tower of the Flock. This is, a, this is a tower in which they watched the flock of the sacrificial lambs that were going to be brought into, uh, into the, the, the tabernacle of God for, to be slaughtered or to be sacrificed. And they gathered them all in this field in this area, just outside of Jerusalem. And this tower, which was called the Tower of Flock, the Mingle Eder, and they watched over the flock from there. Now, interestingly enough, where Jesus was at in Bethlehem was just the shadow, just as the shadow would cast itself. In other words, he was just next to that. Coincidence again? No. No, no coincidence at all. John one twenty twenty nine. John one twenty nine. <clears throat> the next day John seeth Jesus coming to the him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The word sin here symbolizes totality rather than many sins. You, you check that out in, in the Greek form and you'll find out that it doesn't mean just many sins. It means totality of sins. In other words, Jesus, the Lamb of God that cometh to take away totally your sin so that you absolutely could be presented to God sinless, which that's what the sacrifice of the Lamb and His blood upon you would bring to you and does today. 
John was talking about removal of a barrier which exists between the holy, a holy God and man. It was the victory over the defeat that began in the Garden of Eden. And that's exactly what it was. See, after God intended, when He created Adam and He created Eve, for that to be the end of the matter, as a matter of fact. But because it ended up not being the end of the matter, then there had to be, and the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. There had to be another Adam. There had to be another beginning or another cycle that would come and absolutely do what the first Adam messed up. And that's what Jesus was here to take care of. In three and a half years that passed of Christ's ministry here on this earth, there was a gathering of people that followed him into Jerusalem. It's called the city of the great king. They gathered to follow him in. But chance? No, it wasn't a chance. In those days, there was two ways in which kings entered Jerusalem. One with their chariots as they came from war to be celebrated for people to, to, to shout and to, to crown them with the glory of, of their triumph or their victory. The other was merely as a king would to come in on a donkey, to ride a donkey. And we know that Jesus came in on a donkey, uh, actually a perfect donkey that he rode in. And the people began to lay down the palm leaves. They began to, they began to shout out, Hosanna. Hosanna! Because the king had come. The king that was about to be the king over all kings. The one that came, <clears throat> that at one time King Herod had all the males. Babies put to death to destroy this king that he feared. But here he came, right down Main Street, Jerusalem. He had now declared his kingship. You remember when he kept saying, say not, say not what you've seen here this day. Remember when the window the blind, he says, go tell no one of what's happened unto thee this day. And all of this took place because he wanted to, when he bring, came to that place of that triumphal entry, now he was saying unto all of Israel and all of the world, I am the King of Kings. I am He sent by God. The triumphal entry, and he came. Took a lot of nerve to do that, if you're not God. Amen? In those days, you had to realize that when they began to call out, he's the king of kings, king of kings, peace of all peace, that he was fulfilling Scripture one after another after another. Not because, bless God, that it was a neat thing to do. Because he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not thy will, Father, but thine be done. And he drank of the cup. The Holy Lamb of God was entering into the holy city of Jerusalem. Few noticed the lambs that were being brought forth past the, the tower of the flocks. 
At the same time that Jesus was entering in, they were also bringing now, because it's time, Passover is almost here. And now it's time to also bring forth the flock that's about to be sacrificed, taken in and poured the blood upon the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And across the pastors comes the flock. And right down Main Street, Jerusalem, comes the Lamb of God. They both pass by the tower of the flock, and they both go toward the place of sacrifice. The setting must have been something. Can you imagine how the, <clears throat> the veil must have trembled in the temple? It must have been something because all the earth was now ready. Everything that God had done from the beginning and saying, you must cover them. You must kill the animal and cover Adam and Eve was now about to be fulfilled by His Holy Son at the cross. Every generation that had come was now responsible for about what was to happen. And there they were. And few knew. And many never cared. It was the tenth day of Nisan by the Jewish calendar. The Passover lambs were all prepared. Everyone knew the way to be redeemed was a sacrifice of a lamb. And everybody was always excited because, again, it was Passover because it came every year. It had come from generations. It didn't come just from the last generation or last week or last month or when mom and dad was around. It came from generations and generations. And it was time for their sins to be washed away for the year. The Lamb, the prophets had called Him your Redeemer. And that's what He's called to us. The Holy One of Israel. But somehow they had forgotten. Forgetting what they had said. Forgetting what they knew. All of a sudden there was a great state of confusion. All of a sudden, they ripped his clothes off. All of a sudden, bless God, they begin to throw lots for his clothing, which was all prophesied before it ever happened. It wasn't by chance. It was because it was the will of God. He is the Lamb. He is the sacrifice. He chose to lay his life down. No man took his life. They couldn't have taken his life. He tried to tell Peter that when Peter cut the, cut the servant's ear off with his sword. He said, Peter. I could have taken care of this without the sword. Took the ear, put the ear back on. Huh? Because he's God. Has that power changed any? There's still power in the blood today. And there's still power for the Holy Ghost. That's the reason I said, you come and go with me. You come and watch as the blind see and the lame walk. 
You come and watch children that have never heard and never spoken say Jesus for the first words that ever come out of their mouths. You come and watch little boys that, that have arms that never, have never moved begin to walk around and swing them like they're, they're, they're loose as a goose. You watch babies that have never stood stand and walk. It's this power that came that day that laid down His life and shed His blood. And by the stripes that He bore was our healing. It's a power. What's happened to it? Where did it go? It was there. It was so strong on that day that everything became dark. The people didn't know what to think. The earth had become dark. It was during the day... It was going toward the night, the third, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, and everything was dark. And everybody had never says I agree. They'd never seen such a thing as this. A great earthquake occurred, and the earthquake was so great that it rent or it tore the great temple that led into the holy of holies from all the way to the top to the bottom, and separated it. Because a new cycle had now come, and that which was old was no longer going to be received by a living God. The Bible says that even the dead come up out of the graves and begin to walk around. You don't think there wasn't some power happening? Woo! Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine what it must have been like to have experienced that? But yet we can still experience that. Jesus said, you know, it's something, Thomas, for those that have seen, but for those that have never seen and yet believe. Thomas said, I'm going to have to feel those holes, you know. And, uh, he said, blessed are those that have never seen and yet believe. That's us. That's this generation. It's our time. Utterly defenseless. Like a lamb being led to slaughter, he offered himself as a ransom, as an offering, as a sacrifice. Once and for all, it was about to end. We're going to have to, they could eat the lambs and, and, and have, you know, have a nice supper from now on because he was about to become that which he said he would be. The book of Hebrews, and I'm not going to read this, but I want you to, I want you to turn with me in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. I want you to read, uh, uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> most of, you need to read at least the first uh, 24 verses of that. Because I, and I want to read the first couple of verses. Now, this is Hebrews 10. The first verse says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. You hear it was just a shadow of things come. What, I, I'm often telling these countries I'm going to that I'm coming as just a shadow of what's about to come. It's just, it, I'm, just, I'm just coming to demonstrate what God is about to do throughout all the church, throughout all of mankind. See, it isn't something that God has reserved for one man or one particular situation or place in this generation. God is pouring His Spirit out upon all flesh. We are seeing a mist fall that's soon going to be a thunderstorm of holy ghost hey thank you so much prophet deckard again you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out 
Again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.